If anybody knew how that beard looked, they would be so excited to hear you speak. Right? Fuck pain. Fuck heartbreak. I'm still in love with life. From the multicultural headquarters of the future capital of the free-thinking states of America known as Los Angeles, this is the Drunken Dows Podcast. Tonight, it's interview time again, as movement coach, podcast host, and author Aaron Alexander steps by for a chat about his new book, The Align Method. We're going to cover a lot of ground, from our society's troubling addiction to social media to learning how to drive these human bodies we have. Puritans, little dogs with big libidos, and how a simple stroll through nature can reduce stress and help you heal. Here we go. And now, asking you all to spread the words that corporations are not persons, I'm Rich Evers. And my partner in crime, the savage philosopher and middle finger of the gods, Daniele Bolelli. As we invite you to lower the lights, batten down the hatches, and prepare to open your mind. For the Drunken Dows Podcast begins now. Welcome back, everybody, to another fine episode of the Drunken Dows Podcast, episode 173 of a fine collection that I'm sure you've all enjoyed from the very beginning. Across from me, as always, my pal Daniele Bolelli, fresh back from a uh, refreshing trip to the mountains and to the islands. With a fresh, happening new beard attached. I know. This is, uh, I have no choice in the matter. I'm like Razorless? Savannah's and Isabella's Barbie. So they say, grow a beard, I grow a beard. They say, shave, I shave. They say, grow half of a face of a beard and half not. I'll do that. That's a look. I'll do whatever. I'm their Barbie. I have no voice in this. I just thought your manscaper had run out of batteries or something. Right, that's what happened. No, no, it's, uh, well, it would have been strange if I was using it on my face, but that's... Uh, well, it's Clooney-esque, man. It's yeah. salt and pepper. Uh, the, girl, the, the girls obviously like it, so what else can you do but just obey? That's all that matters. Cool. Let's give quick thanks to onnate.com forward slash Taoist, where you get an automatic discount on a whole bunch of Onnate products. Um, I am quite excited that finally, after a few months, they got back in stock all the stuff that Savannah leaves on, the Warrior Bar, the Elk Bar, all that good stuff. Uh, never mind a whole bunch of other things. Alpha Brain has been my friend as of late. So good, I, good stuff. I tell you the instant I find amazing. The instant is awesome. It's uh, it's my thing for sure. A shout out, of course, to Shore Design T-shirts who are amazing. And after a while, we got uh, we got our stock back up. So you know we were running out of T-shirts for a while. People once in a while were ordering. I'm like, sorry, man, I don't have it. We should have them all back. Nice. So that's a good thing. And of course, big thank you to GrasslandBeef.com that give us some amazing goodies that. Rich and I get to enjoy yeah. considerably. We're going to uh, Bison Burgers this weekend. And if we're giving shout-outs, let's give a couple of shout-outs also to... I got this thing. I, I have yet to try it, but I'm looking forward to it. CBDadapt.com. As the name implies, guess what it's about? It's about CBD. Uh, they are third-party lab-tested, full-spectrum CBD maker supported by a money-back guarantee e-commerce shipping all over us so check them out cbdadapt.com and of course never tap gear that created the awesome rush guard done by savannah uh knee braces whole new products oh this is you're gonna like this one so a year that never tap gear will soon be producing a drum roll hemp backpack what i am rather happy about that yeah i got one i could replace yeah so there's that so let's see how that one goes but i'm quite excited to see that in the future um i think we're ready to roll interview time here we go Okay, my man, you are back on the Drunken Taoist. We're here. Yes. This is one of the first 
podcasts that I found inspiring like many, many years ago. Check so that out. I appreciate it. That's a very cool thing. I yeah. dig it. Yeah. And you're now a published author. That is correct. Somehow that happened. I, tri- I tricked the publishers. Do tell. Tell <laughs> me about that process. <laughs> well, uh, yeah, I. it's been essentially the last like five years or so. There's been the, the idea that like, oh, maybe we could like create a, a book uh-huh. with some of these ideas. Um, and so I've been doing the, my podcast for the last five years. Right. And that's been the beginning of aggregating lots of what I found to be meaningful information from right. lots of valuable resources, yourself included, and uh, kind of taking a different perspective uh, or changing the lens on the perspective of, of fitness mm-hmm. and, you know, and what that means and more realizing that your whole day is a form of yoga or fitness or sure. you know, your body's always in this state of construction and deconstruction right. and your environment forms that physical structure that you live in, mm-hmm. um, you know, et cetera. And in the process of actually getting the, you know, the whole book deal stuff and getting the agent and making the proposal and, you know, talking yourself up and you have this 75 page, like essentially like business plan saying why you're awesome and why this book is going to be the, you know, the most important thing ever to hit earth. Uh, and then you go out and you go to New York and you, you bring your agents, your posse with you and you walk in, you go up the elevator and, you know, it's like, I'm like, I'm like, this is. I'm like, I'm like, I'm like doing this thing. It's, right. This seems real. And then meanwhile, inside you're like, oh man, this is, I'm just full of shit. They don't know. <laughs> <laughs> and then, and then the publishers are like, you know, they're like, yeah, we, we want the book. How do you feel about the Finnish process? Awesome. Yeah. Yeah. So but you- lots of moments of like bipolar you know, freak out to this is, you know, this prophecy that's being channeled by, you know, something that's going to change the world to, oh, I'm just a piece of shit and, uh, you know, I'm addicted to my cell phone and this is who am I to create this thing. (laughs) Self-doubt along the way, but but right now you feel good. Today I feel well. When it's done and you look at it, you feel good. That's a big thing. There was a transition essentially in like the final month of editing where I was like, oh, I think this is, I think that I'm proud of this. Right. You know, but around the first quarter, second quarter, uh, there was it was way more bipolar. Uh huh. Yeah, that makes sense. Yeah. I mean, it's kind of normal that you know, if you're undertaking a big challenge, you're going to have moments when you go like, "Am I really cut out for this? Am I really ready for this? Am I?" I think it's normal. I think it's yeah. just the way it goes when you take on challenges. Yeah, I think being having like the like imposter syndrome mm-hmm. thing is it just means that you are um, observing yourself and you're actually sure. you're, you're not completely stuck in your own game and your own somebodyness is like Ramdas says. Right. You know, so if you're so deeply entrenched in that one coat of Daniele Bolelli or mm-hmm. Alexander and OK, what am I? I'm a, I'm a philosopher teacher sure, sure, sure. Or fitness right. or whatever whatever hat you put on yourself yeah. if you truly drink your own kool-aid like that i mm-hmm. think you're actually it might seem to the outside world like wow that person's really got their shit together right but in fact they're you know they're on a they're on a train that may be kind of going off of a cliff at some point when they at some point you're going to have to put down that 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 coat mm-hmm. and if you've identified it with it too, too long much. right becomes um, an issue it, it yeah, it very or maybe you know you die before that happens, and right. then you, you know whatever happens after that, I don't know. <laughs> what's up with the? Tell me a little about the book. Like, what's uh, for people who are not familiar? What's the book about? What did you throw in there? Yeah. The so the stuff? first sec- the first section I've essentially described it as like a. So I did it with a co-writer called Phil White, mm-hmm. who he's co-written with Kelly Starrett, who wrote the the Becoming a Simple Leopard. Kelly did the the forward. He also mm-hmm. did the he read the the audio version of it, which I was really Sweet. grateful for. Kelly was the first person <clears throat> that kind of transitioned me away from uh just seeing people in a private practice mm-hmm. you know so i've been doing that for like 10 years and then okay got I into... guess before we even go for private practice what yeah. would you do there oh rolfing and right. and various different forms of manual therapy right so hands-on body work right you know, so you think like physical therapy meets massage therapy yeah. kind of somewhere in between there yeah um so helping people with moving more effectively in their daily life sure. um and then eventually it became kind of like um you know we're talking about 
how the way that they think and feel and relationships and career sure. and their environment, how that kind of not kind of completely imprints on their physical body and how mm-hmm. we can start to work from the outside in as well as the inside out. Sure. You know, but so with Kelly, it was really just like such an amazing honor and an interesting thing to look back and hear Kelly reading the audiobook mm-hmm. forward saying like, you know, Aaron's a whatever nice guy or something. And have this full circle moment of like, damn, right. You know, like that was, you know, five and a half years ago, I was obsessing over watching all of this guy's videos, you know, hoping at some point maybe I'd get to like shake his hand or, you know, give him a fist bump or something. And now being in the recording studio, hearing this dude say this stuff, it was, it was, very fascinating. Um, but anyway, so so Phil, he's co-written with Pavel Satsulin and Laird Hamilton and all people. For listeners who are only hearing this and they are not seeing what's happening. Oh, yeah. I hope you appreciate my incredible self-control since our dog Azog the Defiler currently snuck right behind me while we're recording. Started having sex with his girlfriend which is his ball this like fluffy ball behind yeah. yeah we're like on a porn set right now yeah he's it's right very... against me so I feel the trusting of his hips against the ball that is his sex toy while I'm That's keeping good. this conversation yeah. so it's like multitasking is a way of life yeah everybody should have a good sex toy I think yeah and uh, I think that's a great market for sex toys considering the enthusiasm that he has for this I say that sex toys for dogs are the next yeah. big thing yeah I agree yeah, yeah people There's too in any case there's a lot of shame around sexuality yeah of course yeah it's it's interesting even like in this situation you look at your at your dog you know banging the soccer ball or whatever and there's like this little moment of like of like oh like is that okay like i don't know it's like of course it's okay yeah yeah yeah. no he's uh he's a zen master in that regard he's uh completely at one with his instincts in all situations social context doesn't matter none of it and by default, just being around him, I'm like, too. Like sometimes when people like look at him, like, oh, I'm just like, what are they looking? Oh, I guess they are freaked out by the dog having sex with a sex dog. He's like, <laughs> but he's like, yeah, whatever, it's normal. <laughs> well, so if we can, so there's an interesting, uh, there's research around this uh, of a guy called James Prescott in particular, where he studied various different cultures who uh-huh. had, and the amount of contact that they had, right, um, growing up, and and also the amount of um, openness around sexuality sure. with with adolescents and just young people in general. And what he found was that people that were more open with sexual expression throughout their life and also that had more contact from their mother and, you know, the, the community in general mm-hmm. were much less warlike. Yeah. You know, so... That makes sense because you're happy. Yeah. You don't need to <laughs> because you're happy, him. man. You like yeah, touch, okay. touch, touch in general could be considered a nutrient. Sure. You know, in, in the sense that it, it sends the signal to your animal mammalian biological mm-hmm. self that you're safe and you're connected right. and it's, it's, a, it's a, I'm in a safe container to grow. My metabolism can you know, upregulate and yeah. I can burn through calories and build tissue and you know, emotionally evolve as well because I have the support system. Totally. You know, my mother and the tribe, they, like, they love me and accept me and take me in. Yeah. Whereas when we cut that cord, all yeah. of a sudden, and there's various research that I put in the book is, uh, in relation to, um, there's like the remaining orphanages that you're, you're probably familiar with where they had, there was too many kids. The dictator was saying, we got to make as many kids as possible. Everything right. fell apart. And then we have all these kids and not enough caretakers. And then they're, they're not being touched. And they go through this thing called failure to thrive, mm-hmm. which essentially like emotionally, physically development slows down yep. uh, to a, you know, a snail's pace. And then once they get that touch again, Damage has been done, but all of a sudden we're like, okay, cool. It's yeah. like we're finally drinking water. Right. You know, and in the culture that we live in where it's weird to see, you know, your dog bang a soccer ball, um, it's like the reason that that is is because we inherently have sure. – it's it's caked into, I would say, the Christian culture to have a little bit of shame around your, you know, your pee-pee and your wee-wee. I think that's where um... – things went wrong there's a great historical thing that i need to study it more because i know the the quick version of it but i need to really dig in when uh, the puritans set up uh, like their first like plymouth rock that kind of stuff sort of origin of what eventually will become the united states you know with the first british colonies and all of that down the road from them there was another colony called marymount 
and Marymount was the exact opposite. They were like the hippies of the 1600s. They were, if they were Christian at all, they were very loosely Christian, mixing a lot of pagan tradition in it. They had uh, happy drunken orgies among the locals as well as with some of the native tribes. They were, you know, just having a blast. The only issue is they like the hippie stereotype. They didn't fully have their act together, so they didn't have a train militia or anything. Mm-hmm. So that when the Puritans said, I will see, especially because most of the people would show up with a new boat coming from England, a bunch of them will look at Plymouth where they are pretty much whipping themselves, look at Marymount where they are getting drunk and having sex. They're like, I think I'd rather go there. Yeah. Puritans didn't take it too well, so they went in with their guns and said, stop the party, this is bullshit. And uh, so that's a kind of an interesting origin story because that's where American culture could have gone. Mm-hmm. In, uh, but those guys couldn't keep their act together, so while having a great party was nice, yeah. having a militia and being able to defend themselves from the freaking Puritan would have been a nice step. That didn't work out. But yeah, that in a nutshell is uh, the history of the United States. Well, that's so Terrence McKenna, who I'm, I know you're familiar with, is, he's one of the things that he riffs on is that, uh, or rifted on, was um, how cultures who stay connected to utilizing plant medicines, is what he was referring to specifically, uh, typically won't go through the same kind of structural advancement and development the way that you know western culture has Mm -hmm. um because he says they they they, by having those experiences more entrenched in the indoctrination of you know the the development of of children it's like a part of your rite of passage you need to observe yourself in this in this way right he says they would stay closer to the, the 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 breast of nature and they don't yep. build up on top of it and smother it and cut it down. They say, no, 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 no. What do we need all these weapons for? Uh-huh. Kill you? Of course. Why would I kill? You're my right. brother. Right. <laughs> you know, it's like, but then all of a sudden it's like, okay, let's, you know, let's put the pipe down and, you know, like put the mushrooms away. Um, you know, we need to, we need to make some money. Yeah. You know, and that person's on my, my property. Right. Yeah, yeah. They need, uh, <laughs> blood will be shit. Yeah, it's a delicate dance, let's put it that way. You have to uh, really... In fact, that's where... Uh, I don't know if you had a chance to check it out yet. That's where Chris Ryan uh, civilized to death. Yeah, I've listened to it a couple it's, times. Uh, it's great. Yeah. It's a great book. They did a good but, job. But sorry, as a the defiler and his hip-trusting talent <laughs> distracted me from... Uh, we're talking about the book and some... You know, oh. you're saying about some of the work you've been doing... Well, all this is conversation about the book. Yeah, I guess so, because it's all tied to the body, attitudes toward the body, the way we relate to... Your relationship to your physical body is a fractal or representation of your relationship to your community, to your country, to Mm -hmm. your home. Sure. Uh, You know, there's no... When you go into someone's home or go into someone's body, not necessarily in a sexual way, but perhaps in a sexual way, but just meeting someone... You know, that's why it's so much, I almost exclusively, at least on my podcast, um, will only do interviews in person right? because I want to, you know, I want to be in their home, not even necessarily the physical home, but like, I want to like be with, with them. I agree. I agree. In fact, I don't like, uh, you know, I think I made a couple of exceptions for Dan Carlin just because there was, he wasn't around. Yeah. If Obama all of a sudden says he wants to do the line podcast, I'm like, whatever you want, coach, like we're, we're doing it, but, um, You Otherwise, know, is, uh, yeah. is impersonal. There's like Obama and, and, I don't know, Gandhi. But, so he's already... <laughs> it's going to be tough. It's going to yeah. be a lot of requirements. It's going to be difficult, but yeah. <laughs> but those are my, my stipulations. I see. Yeah. I see the point. <laughs> and in the book, so you kind of go through a philosophical aspect of it all. And uh, is there a practical kind of exercise driven aspect or is pure yeah no there's like 70 or so different exercises well more than that there's 70 images throughout it um and yeah there's there's essentially it's written for a person who has their mind has been shaped by instagram Mm -hmm. you know and so the longest you can like you know it's not gonna be helpful for people listening so much but you can kind of hear going through the longest section right before going on to another bold part of like a new section or some align yourself or or something is you know anywhere from 
two or three paragraphs to like six is like a lot. Right, of course. So you know, so every, for if you have short attention span, you can still hang. Yeah, and yes. also, also one of the the final tests in the editing process is I would go through and I would open up any page in the the galley yeah. copy, and if I didn't find value in that page, mm-hmm. that I could sit on my toilet, open it up, page sixty seven, sure. and be like, "All right, cool, that improved my day." Right. Then we need to figure out how to refinagle it. So that you by no means need to read page one to page 250 or whatever, right. which is another, I think it, to me, you know, there's a, there's a book called, uh, the medium is the massage by Marshall mm-hmm. McLuhan. Yeah. And his whole thing is, you know, the medium is the message is, yeah. is the original statement. And, you know, the, we think that we get shaped by the information inside of the books and inside of the cell phones and inside of the schools. But in fact, it's the, the medium that mm-hmm. we're actually gathering that information that's really creating the, the more meaningful impact. Sure. And so the medium that we're exposed to in modern day is you know, staring at our cell phones and continually being bombarded by all these notifications and yeah. distractions. Yeah. So you know, attention span is getting a little bit less. So I figure it would make sense to create a book that's catering to people where they're at. At least that's my belief system. It could be totally off. Why do you think it's so hard on what you're saying about uh, you know, the the effect on modern attention span the fact that you know social media we have notification in your phone in your computer in everything yeah i know that that's not good for me you know i understand that uh i mean i know it's good in the sense that i can connect with a lot of people but i can do that if i check it three times in one day for like 20 minutes each time that's already a good chunk. You yeah. know, I will get all the connection I need that way. I'll talk to the people who message me. I'll reply. I'll do yeah. whatever. On a particular heavy day, I'll spend half hour more, but that's fine. That's not the way we most people use social media. We have it on all day. And we reply in real time, and then there's another one, there's another. And it, it becomes not a tool that you use for a little bit of time, and it gives you a lot. It becomes something that gives you some, but for the amount of time and energy requires, becomes psychotic because you're checking it 27 million times per hour. Yeah. Why is that so damn hard to, I mean, if we know it, and I don't think it takes a genius to figure out that there's a way to use it in a healthy way, which is like you give yourself two or three times a day, that's it, you're done. Why is it even though the knowledge is there and it's pretty self-evident, why would be more beneficial that way? Why is it so hard for the majority of people who are hooked into this to put it down for four hours? Because the um, nonstop bombardment of... Is bombardment a word? I think if it's not, it's in my vocabulary. It makes sense. So it's yeah. okay. I get it. <laughs> I think it is. Yeah. yeah. We're being bombarded uh, by information in the mm-hmm. form of... So your attention is the most valuable commodity to... Yeah you know, advertisers and, sure. you know, the world out there. Yeah. They want your eyeballs and they of want course. your, they want your consciousness. And if they can tap yep. into that, your consciousness is mm-hmm. worth a lot of money. It doesn't seem like it because you're not paying sure. direct money to be on Facebook or Instagram or whatever. But, you know, there's no such thing as a free lunch. Right. Like, there's no such thing as a free Instagram or a free Facebook. Yeah, there's a reason why they make zillion of dollars. Zillion of dollars. Despite the fact that nobody pays. Yeah, you know, you know and so all of those systems are preying mm-hmm. on, and it sounds malicious. I don't think it's malicious. I think they're just being smart in the sense that they have a, an outcome that they're looking for. Right. And they're figuring out the best way to do that. Sure. You know, and so, but what that ends up looking a lot like is they're preying on the vulnerabilities of the, the human psyche you know, the human animal is a social creature. Mm-hmm. And we, when we are, you know, the longest longitudinal study was done by Harvard. I think it started in 1936. And uh, you fact check that. But it was, they followed students from Harvard and then also their offspring or their kids um, throughout their whole life, lifespan. Mm-hmm. And what they found is the people that had the deepest connection with community and they felt like they had a good support group and they felt like they were really a part of something. Yeah. They were the healthiest people. Right. So it didn't matter that, you know, what on it supplements they were taking or sure. what kettlebells they were swinging or what keto diet or what whatever. It was like, do I feel loved and supported by the people around me? And do I feel like they, you know, they need me and I need them and we're, we're right. in this union. Fast forward. So that's where we've come from for, I don't know, maybe 
millions of years, mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, it's, it's just sure. like a human organism. Um, fast forward to the last, whatever it's been, you know, maybe 15 years that social media has been a thing. Like that's brand new. That system is being, being imposed on our, our biology where it's like in a tribe of 150 people. If someone wants your attention, yeah. It's actually like a healing mechanism. Sure. Like, oh, someone's, you know, grabbing uh-huh. my leg yeah, and they're no saying, gosh. oh, Daniela, can you help me build this? We're going to, we're building a birdhouse. Yeah. We're, we're building the fuck. Can you come build the fire? Fuck you. No. Yeah, you're right. Real, yeah, whatever. But nonetheless, no, but like, but yeah. like that interaction sure. at a cellular subconscious level is like, oh, that heals me. Mm-hmm. Oh, they grab me and they took, and then we, then we face. had a hug afterwards right. sure. and we exchange our you know microbiomes. We were inoculating each other to each other's bacteria and maybe we kissed, maybe we had sex, you know, like that was that interaction. Right. Now go into the last, you know, 15, 20, whatever years it's been. Uh, we have that same system and we get those same responses. See, wow, the, the face of a pretty girl smiling. Ooh, maybe I got a DM from a girl. She, maybe right. somebody's slipping in my DMs. Yeah. You know, and we were like riding on that. Mm-hmm. But I think it's, you know, at least hundreds of thousands or tens of thousands of years of evolution, but probably more realistic than millions, um, bumping into this high concentration of uh, those stimuli and in, a, in, a, in, a, in, a, in like an artificial way. So like Alan Watts says, we're eating the menus and confusing it for, yeah. the, for the meal. Yeah, yeah, you which know. is almost, I guess I'm on a Chris Ryan kick, but it's almost exactly where Chris goes with it. Where mm-hmm. That's that idea that, you know, you're, the real thing gets taken away and you, what civilization feed you is the plastic replacement of the real thing. Yeah, it gives you a stomach ache. Yeah, which is like, it looks the same, but is a completely different experience. Yeah, think it's, about that. Uh, I mean, think of like porn. When you see porn, it's mm-hmm. like, whoa. It like, <laughs> it like grips you. Of course. You know, like think of the first time you were 12, 13 years old and all of a sudden you see like a porn mag. Sure. You know, depending upon your age. It's like, wow. Right. Like that taps into some mm-hmm. deep, deep reptilian brain stuff yeah. that, you know, that's, we think that we're riding on this, the somebody-ness, you know, of oh, my, my, my car and my yeah, job yeah, and the, my personality. Right. And yeah. I'm like, I'm a comedian, you know, so I'm like a funny person, you know, I'm not a comedian, but like just whatever yeah, yeah. your title is, sure. I'm a construction worker. I'm, I'm handy, yeah. you know, but underneath all of that, all you got to do is show somebody, you know, show some 13 year old kid a, a porn image. And all that shit goes goes right. out the window. <laughs> like, wow, I am an animal. Yeah. <laughs> now, my apologies, we just need to take a quick sponsor break, and we're going to be right back with the conversation. Imagine for a moment the year is 2012. Your friends surround you with concerned looks on their faces. Get your drinking under control, they say. You decide that maybe a five-drink-per-night rule might be a solid idea after all. The next morning you wake up and soon realize you're not in your bed. In fact, you're not even in your house. You're on the floor of a jail cell and you have no idea how you got there. It didn't used to be this way. This is the story of Harrison and he tells it on the powerful new podcast, Keep Coming Back, Real Stories of Sobriety and Recovery. Each week, host Mike S. interviews and unravels stories of people who fell down and have managed to get back up again. Subscribe and listen. A link to the website is included in today's show notes. That's an interesting experiment for those listening right now. You know, if you maybe, you know, not everybody does. So maybe that doesn't apply to you at all. And you are don't have the relationship with social media. You're not checking your phone 72 times a day. You're yeah. not starting. mean the healthy people listening. Right. Yeah. But considering <laughs> that those probably are five. Yeah. For the five others, right. For everybody else, me included very much. is very interesting because I did um, like, I don't know, a couple of weeks ago, a week ago, something like this. I was in a place where I had no internet. So if I wanted to check email, I would have to drive a mile, really close. Okay, not far. But you'd have to actually drive a mile or walk a mile, whatever the hell, but get there physically. Yeah. So you're not going to be doing it 72 times an hour. You're going to do it when you wake up in the morning. Maybe you check it at lunch, maybe. And then before you go to sleep, you took a quick check, make sure you reply to people, done, right? 
So at most, you check it two to three times a day, at most, right? That difference that that makes was humongous mm-hmm. in my ability to get stuff done, in my ability to focus on one thing at a time, in my ability not to feel constantly pulled in 72 directions, yep. which is completely self-imposed, by the way, because nobody forces you to do that. And, you know, I saw it and it was amazing and I liked it a lot. And yet when I do have an internet access available 24-7, I find it extremely difficult to try to do the same thing. Even though I tell myself, just do it at this time, then at this, then at this. Like pretend that there is no access and you can only open the door at those precise times. It's kind of like the equivalent of uh, a dog that if you put... uh, you know, if you put a little bit of food two times a day, they'll run on it and eat it. But if you leave the food out all day, yeah. they'll eat the whole damn thing. You know, yeah. they'll stay there all day and keep eating and keep eating and keep, because it's like, yes. Unless it. they have something more inspiring to occupy their time. Yeah, which is... I mean, with dog and food, it's it's kind of tough because that's yeah. pretty high on their list of things to do. Definitely. That, that's like why the, I say... There's it. like it's, the... You, you already know about this, the rat park experiment, right. you know, where it's like, oh man, you give rats cocaine and they just yeah. settle and just do it till they die. They won't right. eat food. It's crazy. Yeah. You're like, see cocaine. Yeah. And it, it, it's like, gives all this power... It like really just pulls all the power out of the you know the human organism and just like puts it into this little white powder. Like, yeah, oh, yeah. we're defenseless against it. It's like, dude, these rats are sitting in this blank cubicle with or nothing to sucks, do but right. you know blow their minds yeah. up with, with amphetamines. Like, what else would they do? Yeah. But of all of a sudden, you put them into a. It was done in um, at Vancouver, I believe. You put them into this rat park where they got rat wheels and rat girlfriends and mm-hmm. you know that rat windows and it's like this. Oh, this is like cool. This is fun. Yeah. Pool. Like we're hanging out. You know, you want to you want to do some blow? <laughs> You're like, no, right. we're good. Yeah. Like we're already good. Yeah, yeah. No, that makes sense. In so, fact. Well, so, so with with humans, I think it's also it's like what I find. Sorry, sorry to cut you off, but I find the uh, kind of the point of me relating that to rats is personally when I feel like I have a purpose uh, or my life is. You know, it's filled with the things that make me feel well. Like so, so for example, I just got yeah. back from Hawaii. And we were out there and we were, you know, surfing and going to waterfall hikes and went out with some friends and we were bow hunting and we did this three day bow hunt thing and like all this cool stuff. I found I was kind of on that, like check the messages a couple times a day kind of schedule. Yeah. Uh, But then put me back into my apartment in Santa Monica and I'm back in my rhythm that I've created and now it's changes. So I think it's, you know, we are, it's like the river is always running and you have the choice, like systems theory, you have the choice to put a, you know, the, you have to put the rocks in. Yeah. And then that's what you, okay, cool. We put the rock in. We change it now to drive five miles. Now the river, it's still running. It just yeah. runs different. You know, and so I think that's a really valuable thing, which is, you know, there's a whole section of the book. Um, I think it's called uh, You Become Your Environment. Something I could, I could look it up. But, like, you, you, you become the shape of your environment, essentially. You know, and so... How do we align our home? How do we align our office? Sure. How do we align our travel? How do we align even our clothing? Right. Because the river is always running. Of course. You know, so something as simple as like right now as we're recording this conversation, we're doing it on the ground. Mm-hmm. So just that process of being on the ground, we take our ankles through full range of motion, our knees, we're moving interstitial fluid and lymphatic fluid and blood. And, you know, we're taking our pelvic floor, like we're sure. taking our body through this healing process. It's a self-tuning system mm-hmm. just by saying oh cool like let's put a comfy rug down let's maybe put like some floor pillows or you know yoga mat sure you know and you you know the river kind of runs into those rocks and changes shape no that makes sense and i think so in that regard if you guys want to do an exercise if it sounds daunting to do that as a lifestyle do that for three days yep not a million days three days give yourself like and being quite generous, give yourself an hour and a half. Mm, I say 30 minutes, so yeah, it's even less. Exactly. So Total. If you can pull that off, great. Even if you do half hour in the morning, half hour lunch, half hour at some point in the evening, which is a lot. Yeah. Um, but not continuously. Not it's on from the time when you wake up to the time when you go to bed and the last thing you do is turn it off, yeah. you know. 
even that, which again, we are going, you know, he's the strict master, so he gives you only 30 minutes total. I'm gonna, I'm willing to say, okay, a little more. Maybe you do have a bunch of people that you need to reply to. Maybe whatever, okay? So, but still. Oh, I was saying the, spending time on the ground. Oh, no, I was Social saying. Social media, yeah. hour and a half. Yeah, no, no, I'm not a strict yeah. master about that. Yeah, I'm on, I'm on the hour and a half train. Yeah, and so yeah. just do that for three days and see Evan three hours straight with none of that between when you wake up and when you eat or when you check it the next time and then four or five hours the next time and then you're done for the night and you don't check it right before. See how that feels. You know, three days, you're still going to reply to people. Doesn't really hurt your social life. Doesn't really change anything, you yeah. know. Just see how that feels. If it feels good, then uh, okay i'm at that stage like oh it feels good i like it now the harder stage for me is okay now how do i turn that into a real habit yeah because i'm like the dog with the food it's there i'm gonna yeah, eat it's it there. and so it's like that's where it's hard but even just step one you know just do three days and see how it feels not a bad start because yeah. i mean that way you decide whether it's something that's worth it for you or not yeah it's also i mean going like harping back on the whole fulfillment yeah. aspect yeah um nature is something that naturally fills your cup so you don't feel like you have this dopamine withdrawal and you don't feel like your neural sure. your neurochemistry is kind of at a low yeah and so we are seeking this anything that'll give us that bump yeah you know, so when you check, you know, wow, somebody slipped in my DMs. That's a sure. that's a big bump that you get. You know, and so if you are naturally through doing practices of maybe I just, you know, oh, I have a I have forty five minutes of of phone meetings today. Sure, I was going to sit in my office and just sit down and talk. Like yeah. instead, I'm going to walk outside. Yeah, yeah. Of course. And as I'm doing that, I'm going to look up into the trees. I'm going to look up into the clouds. Yeah. Maybe I want to allow my imagination to wander and think of like, wow, that cloud looks like a giraffe or whatever. You know, so allow yourself to kind of be healed by the your environment. The other person on the line is like, why is this motherfucker yeah, talking this, to me yeah, about right, giraffe? Exactly, you are yeah, supposed yeah. to be talking about. Yeah. Well, you know, you want, I, I mean, it's interesting, man, how, and you know this from, from being a writer, uh, how writing, whatever you write starts to inform your life and informs the the shape of the, the filter that you perceive the world through. Sure. You know, and so if you are, you know, writing poetry, all of a sudden you see the world through this poetic lens and you're words start to kind of have rhythm and rhyme and if you write if you're reading a, a book on war all of a sudden sure. you'll see everything is strategy and oh wow of course you know so you can choose your lens that you want to perceive the world from and for some people their role in the world it may be a value for them to see the world from more of a creative place mm -hmm. where they can look up at a cloud and see 10 different images yeah and maybe for some people that's not their thing but just you know realize that you are always augmenting the lens that you perceive the world through like you have control over that right and that's the whole uh idea of victor frankel's work in man's search for yeah, meaning of course you know he's he said i'm uh, i'm not a psychologist i'm more of an optometrist mm -hmm. you know so i'm just all i'm doing is i'm just i'm going through and kind of subtly augmenting the the shape of the shape of your those, those projector screens with yeah. all your eyeballs yeah which is I mean, again, it's on one end, it's easier said than done. On the other end, if a dude in a concentration camp, like yeah. that guy can pull it off, it's probably safe to say that it can be done in any circumstance. Yeah. So it's both are real. You know, yeah. is it easy? No. Can it be done by pretty much anybody? Yes. Well, so. if, you, if you are in the position, one of the most like insidious positions to be in is the one where you're almost fed for I don't know, your whole life, mm -hmm. you know, or any amount, any period of time, you're getting to that point where it's like, Oh no, the food stopped. Mm -hmm. That's can almost be a blessing in the sense, because in like the Victor Frankl case, perhaps that it forces that person to look into something deeper as opposed to, Oh, I am my, my Tesla and my sure. $5,000 watch and my, right. you know, my, my book and my, this is who, this is who I am. Yeah, yeah, it's like going back to the same, you know, the, 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 the original conversation. That identity thing. Yes. Yeah. You know, so I think there's actually can be value in a person experiencing something that seems really terrible because it almost, it like forces starving some yeah. of those what could be maybe like parasite somebodynesses there's definitely something to be said about when you've got nothing to lose mm -hmm. because of course when you got nothing to lose 90 percent of fears concerns things disappear because it's like 
what else is gonna happen you know it's like i've already seen all the war shit in the world yeah and so you are very much in the moment you are very much enjoying the year and now because you know that your past is gone and you got no future basically so it's like there's something to be said for that ecstasy of being uh, when you have lost absolutely everything you yeah. know there is an ecstatic component to it because it forces you in the moment. You, you, you can't go anywhere else, because again, neither the past or the future look good at that point. Yeah. Um, clearly, it's interesting to figure out how to take it back to a place where you are not at the edge of the abyss, but you know it's a little more of a comfortable place. How can you still have that ability yeah. to do that when circumstances are not that dramatic? Because you know, for all that, granted, there is an ecstasy in that, that's not a fun one, you know. It's, I mean, it's fun in that second, but really, that's not how any one of us want to live, given a choice. Yeah. So that's that's an interesting one. Like there was um, actually, you were mentioning before we started recording Ram Dass. Mm -hmm. There was a Ram Dass thing that he said that he dealt with quite a few guys on death row. Yeah. And he exactly. was saying now a bunch Stays of with these a bunch guys of monks. were ridiculously at peace, yeah. mellow, and <laughs> and they were people who had done horrible things. And what Ramdas was saying is if tomorrow the Supreme Court uh, overturned their sentences, most of them would lose everything they have in this exact second and would go back to being who they were before, which was not a pleasant person. And there, and I think what he's hinting at there is like there's that something when you have nothing to lose where it, it changes your frame of mind for mm -hmm. sure. And... Um, but again, the issue is most of us don't want to live in a nothing. I mean, if it happens, it happens, right? And you may be pleasantly surprised by the fact that it's there are some sides to it that are not all gloom and doom. But the reality is that nobody wants to choose it, you yeah. know, because it's like, why would you? Well, so There's, the other thing that just in the same like Ram Dass thread in relation yeah. to that, perhaps some way to make that sensation be a little bit more sustainable, mm -hmm. um, which again, I'm, you know, I, I'm enamored by it by no means of like figuring this stuff out. Um is to put more focus into what he refers to as the, you know, the soul part of you, um, because that is inherently, you know, the part that, you know, like the, we were talking about as well, like the astronaut overview effect, you mm -hmm. look down and you see earth as this big organism. Sure. And it's this beautiful miracle floating in the sky. And it's, you know, it's all, we're all interconnected. We're all one, yeah. you know? And so letting go of that, a practice of, of, of kind of stepping aside momentarily from that individualism sure. and kind of more into maybe something like meditation or, right. you know, something like uh, a walk in nature, you know, mm -hmm. and you're observing how, wow, this nature, these trees, I'm breathing in the, the phytoncides and the chemicals that are, you know, they're healing me, they're boosting my uh -huh. immune system and they're making me feel alive and you know, if you go a, a, a patient in a hospital that has a exposure to a window, they end up needing less uh, pain medication sure. becoming, and then they also are, are released from the hospital significantly sooner. The person that actually has that little bite of nature compared to someone that doesn't, right? you know, so I'm always in relation to that thing. And if we can have a momentary practice of, of kind of just illuminating that connection, mm -hmm. um, I would say that's like a tangible soul connection that we can kind of tap into at any time. Yeah. Uh, and if with practice that can become a habit and he says, you know, that's an, that's a very invulnerable layer to be at. Sure. When I die, I go in, this body goes into the dirt and it feeds mm -hmm. the next animals and creatures and bugs and fungus. And it's like this beautiful thing. Like it's, it's like, wow, cool, man. You know, and that's this idea of Aaron. Right. It kind of goes where it goes. It's like fuck the bag and the fungus. I want to be arrow. Yeah, well, right, right, exactly. I don't and care then about there's the and then there's the other side. Whereas if I if I too closely continually practice the habit of attaching to Daniele or Aaron sure. or what have you, um, then that is a very vulnerable state to be in mm -hmm. because that not only will it maybe go away, it's fucking going away. Yeah. 
you know, so the sooner that you can start the practice of releasing attachment to that and make it be something that I do in the morning, I take a walk or I, you know, do a little meditation thing, or maybe I, you know, I spend time with my dog and I really appreciate that moment. I spend time with another person. I look into their eyes and really like see them for more than just what they can get me Mm -hmm. or see them for more than just like, oh, maybe I could have sex with that person. It's like, no, no, no. Like we're sharing this, this beautiful moment together. I think the more that a person can instill those little micro moments into the, their day, the more they're tapping into that like Ramdas soul land shit. Right. <laughs> I think I can see that Azog the Defiler has been inspiring, inspiring you today with the sex references because yeah, right. it's like seeing Azog so enthusiastic with his soccer ball is always uh, yeah, it's an inspiring a, yeah, it's, thing. In, it's in the zeitgeist of the conversation. Yes, yeah. very much so. But I mean, I mean, sex is something that it's like, what can I get from that person? Sure. You know, and the, the moment that in a relationship with a oh, yeah. you know a potential partner, the moment that you don't have the you're not sending out the signals of I'm trying to get. Yeah. something no that's uh, all of a sudden they become attracted to you yeah absolutely in whatever capacity it's not absolutely. just sex but just in the world becomes attracted to you when you are not grasping to get yeah neediness never neediness is never attractive hmm. when you are projecting constantly on uh, what can i get out of this and my need fulfill my need yeah there's something that makes anything around you go oh, not not that interesting when you are probably including yourself yeah when you're comfortable (laughs) when you're comfortable in your own skin for who you are right here right now it's a very different feeling yeah it's an extremely different feeling like something there's a buzzing of energy that's that tends to push things and people away that's not there yeah and so sudden it's like oh there's a center there there's a there's a person centered in who they are in a comfortable kind of way and they don't want anything from you they are not if they are hanging out with you it's because they want to hang out with you that's it there's no other there's no ulterior motive to any of that which goes a long way it goes uh, it really has a major impact on uh, on the way people can relate to you and i think you know so much of communication is really non-verbal, which is funny because we use words all the time. That's kind of how we communicate as human beings. It's yeah. blah, 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 blah. But I really think that a lot of the way we use words even, it's an excuse. Mm-hmm. It's an excuse to move energy. It's an excuse to pass energy through a verbal form. The content of the words, interesting to a point. Yeah. Sometimes it is. Sometimes it really is. Most of the time it's not. Yeah. Most of the time it's completely secondary, which is also why sometimes, you know, somebody can tell me one thing and I think it's brilliant. And the next person tells me the same thing and I think it's crap. Mm-hmm. Content doesn't change. The yep. energy that goes with it has changed. Yeah. And, and, and also even your own filter. Yeah. You know, I, I experienced that with, there's so many different things I was uh, like excited to talk about in relation to that, but I noticed that I trust myself far less and I'm far more suspicious of any of my belief systems or, you know, anything. Mm-hmm. And just in general, as time goes on, and, and even with like the creation of the book, I knew that the book was about done when I started making changes that I would read one night in the edit and be like, it's terrible. No, it needs yeah. to, I can't believe, what was I thinking? Right. Like, it's so obvious. It yeah. needs to be this. And then the editors, you know, publishers be like, okay, cool. We made the change. It's great. Yeah, it's great. And then I'd look at them like, what was I thinking? Okay, like it's, it was so much better before. The, like yeah. it needs to go back. Yeah. And then I'm like, oh, okay, it's done. I don't, I'm, it's done. Yeah. You know, when, like when, it, does <laughs> when does it come out? Uh, December twenty fourth, two thousand nineteen. Okay, so by the time this one is out, it's probably a week or three weeks, depending on whether we put this out yeah. early January or mid January. But yeah, so yeah. it's out already. It's out. It's in the initial stage of uh, release, excitement, all of that. Yeah, exactly. So that's cool. That's I'm seeing like the galley copy you got here is a soft cover. You're going hardcover first. Yeah, it's a hardcover. It's gonna be hardcover. Okay. And yeah. then uh, okay, sweet. Yeah. That's a cool thing. Yeah. Other things you wanna throw out there? Um, man, oh man. think that well one thing that i think is relevant is we are in a world that is so inundated with information all the time Uh you know and and the need to 
gather more and gather more and mm-hmm. gather more and gather more. And I think within that, we can kind of um, miss out on the information that we have from within. Right. You know, because we're continually bombarded by all this stuff and I'm always running a podcast in my ears and I'm always taking notes and I'm always have this book list, this never ending book list. I need to get all the information. Right. Um, you know, so I think that something that's been of great value for me that I'm, I'm just, I think beginning to learn how to, how to do it more effectively is to just give myself more spaciousness to, uh, just shut the hell up. Right. <laughs> but here, right now, you're convincing people not to buy the book because <laughs> it's like it's, well, in uh, the end of the book, in the end of the book, I mean, that's essentially how we finish it. Is you know, forget about this book, right? You know, like all of this stuff. We get to the point where it's like cool, like every principle in the book will absolutely create immediate change and long-term effect, and it will cause it will save humanity potentially billions of dollars sure. and it would you know save yourself physical autonomy right. and confidence right. and creativity like it's it's invaluable sure the impact that creating these subtle changes that we outline in the book will have mm-hmm. like undoubtedly sure um and within that once we start to have the basic fundamental mechanics of how do we drive this human body right what does it mean to breathe in a way that's actually therapeutic. Yeah. And what does it mean to use my eyes in that way? And maybe the sounds of my environment. And maybe, you know, if I'm picking something off of the ground, is there like a better or worse way to do that? I'm not sure. Right. You know, so we break all that stuff down and then we start to incorporate those more effective habits into our life. Mm-hmm. And then the next level is we need to forget about all of that stuff and just live our lives. Because as long as you're in this like meta witnessing version of yourself, it's like, okay, my hip hinge and my neutral spine and my breathing diaphragm, well, you're you're still like standing beside yourself. Yeah, which in some way is kind of the classic um, Zen uh, Taoist uh, view of, uh, you know, at the beginning there's ignorance. Mm -hmm. At the next stage you have knowledge. And the next stage, you want to move beyond knowledge because knowledge is knowledge is preferable to ignorance. Sure, that's nice. Yeah. But it's still heavy. It's yeah. still some heavy thing that you carry around in your head, and it's constantly like you're filtering through this intellectual filter right. of reality. Whereas yeah. when you really get knowledge, is when it turns into wisdom. When it's uh, which, what's the difference between knowledge and wisdom? Wisdom is basically embodied. It becomes part of who you are. It's not something that you are. <laughs> it's not a principle that you have to recall that you have to memorize and recite to somebody else it's part of uh, maybe you, you maybe even forgot how to verbalize it but it's part of your actions part yeah. of who you are it's like part in your of dna you, exactly and that's when it's real until then even the knowledge stage eh, i mean you know it that's great but how many things do we know and we're not able to apply yeah. a zillion um there are so many things where the understanding is there but the jump from understanding to actual real practice, like a practice that becomes part of you, is just, there's a humongous gap there, right? It's yeah. kind of like the equivalent of somebody who has read 10,000 books on sleep and studied all the perfect positions to sleep in, the right timing, what your room should look like, yeah. and they're still an insomniac. Yep. You know what I mean? It's like, you have all that knowledge, you still can't sleep, you know? That's the... And so in that regard is when you can pull it off and it becomes part of you, then it's true. All the little tiny details, you have already absorbed them. You don't need to have them all memorized and carrying them with you that way. Yeah. So um, there's something to uh, a very Taoist note to, uh, to close your book with. Right? Mm-hmm. That's kind of where it's at. Yeah. The next book will just be a bunch of blank pages. Right. It's going to be deep. Just like, yeah. <laughs> You're like, what? I want my money back. Yeah, like, that's nice, but... <laughs> Maybe a little more knowledge in the next yeah. one, Aaron. It's like, no, this is an absolutely brilliant philosophical concept, but I'll also pay you invisible money yeah, exactly. for it. <laughs> that's the way. Well, cool, my man. So you guys know the drill. You find clearly, you know, if uh, you happen to live in a place where bookstores still exist, that's yeah, right. always a good thing. Yeah. Otherwise, the Amazon is the way to go usually. Oh. Speaking of which, Amazon link, if you guys can use Drunken Taoist Amazon link, that's always appreciated. Um, anything else you want to mention? Um, I mean, so with the book, 
um, yeah, I would say just get the book, you know, the Align Method, grab that. And then from there, there's all sorts of other kind of cool wormholes to go into from that. Uh, and then the the Align podcast. And that's been like my my love child for the last five years. And I've had, I think I might have had you in there yep. at least twice or yeah. maybe even twice, one, for sure. twice or something like that. Maybe three. Um, but yeah, I mean, that's like my favorite kind of project that I've gotten to play with, which has allowed all this stuff to happen. So I have great gratitude for the people that already checked that out and gratitude Sweet. for people that grabbed the book. Perfect. Yeah. I like it in a perfect, by the way, the beginning of the end, drawing a circle. As of the defiler just went back right oh, behind wow. my back. Isn't that funny how that works sense. out that way? I don't know if he's having sex or what he's doing. Well, but he's I thinking feel, about it. I feel he seeps grinding again <laughs> right next to my back. So I know he's doing something. But yes, that has been... Uh, we have been blessed with these activities at the very beginning and at the very yeah. end. Yeah, that that's works good. Out. Yeah, perfect arc. Enemies on it. There he goes, there he goes. right <laughs> against me. All yes. right. <laughs> <laughs> Until next time. Yes. Uh, thanks, brother. The funky music means one thing. And that's the end of another fine episode of the Drunk Towns Podcast. Just like that. Just like that. Let's give some shout-outs, because I haven't say, I haven't fucked up people's name in like a couple of episodes. It's been a bit. And now there's actually a list. So ready to have me rap for a while, because there are some sweet folks who maybe Christmas or end of the year induce them to donate, and that's very sweet. Excellent. Let the pottering begin. So big thank you to Robert Carman, Nicholas Huntington, Samuele Rudelli, Jim D'Amico, Wayne Boudreau, Matt Chebray, Thomas Robinson, twice, not even once. I got two donations from Thomas Robinson. Jesse Rattan, uh, as usual, Jesse, I fuck this up. I, I'm always on a roll. Ranta Kagas. Yeah, man, you got it down, I think. No, it's uh, probably wrong. Nima, Aaron Weisner, <clears throat> Geraya Avellaneda. Christopher Parcel, Jonathan Waterloo, Stephen McKee, Sarah Hayes, maybe H-A-A-S-E, don't know, uh, Luis Pesquera, Ross Cranahan, Andre Garapetian, Pat Hartman, Aistis Juska, Gregory Howard, Nicola Togni. You guys are absolutely awesome. Thanks as always, everybody. Thanks, thanks, thanks. A- at some point... You know, I'm thinking of revamping how we pitch the... Because we, we don't really exactly hound people for money, but it's nice to have a little more... I mean, these guys are awesome and we love them, but, yep. you know, percentage-wise, it would be nice to get a little... Even like once a year. You know, once a year, $5. That's it. It boils down to something like 20-some episodes per, epi- per episode. Yeah. 20 cents per episode is not the worst thing that one could do. No, so, it's not crazy. I mean, my favorite argument everywhere is you'll spend $2 to get $20 out of an ATM. How about five bucks to your pals that are uh, yeah, I mean, there if you for have, you every If month. you have more money, we'll gladly take it. Oh, for certain. But something like five bucks, even if you're kind of broke, five bucks for a whole year, it's not so bad. That seems... I'm a sucker for it all. Like, Wikipedia rolls up. I always drop them a 10 spot when yeah. they ask for it. I mean, it's... Uh... So, I'm not asking too much. We're trying to undo the destruction done by uh, Corolla and, and Rogan from the beginning. Right. If only I'd asked for a diamond episode from the very beginning and made it, you know, like it's actually worth something. Yeah, so if you guys never, ever donated and you feel so inclined, five bucks for a year would go a long way. Hell yeah. Um, thank you to all the usual folks that we mentioned up front. Um, shout out to also Snow Roast Coffee. Uh, I haven't gotten their stuff in a while, but they are awesome. Snowroast.com, code TAO18 for a 15% discount. Uh, small batch coffee made in Colorado. Amazon link. If you guys shop on Amazon, please use our link. That helps us a whole bunch. Uh, thank you to Daisy House Music, Kiva.org. How up are we now? It's approaching $150,000 in loans. Jesus, that's awesome. And if we can make it that far, we can make a quarter million in like two years, and that will actually be ridiculous. That is quite sweet. Anything else we need to throw out there? That's it. That's a short one. That's the one. Rich and Below the episode for the beginning of February, coming away very soon. You guys have a wonderful day.
And so ends another awesome episode of the Drunken Dows Podcast. Be sure to keep your ears peeled for another mind-expanding episode coming soon. We'll be tweeting you as they come out. You can keep track of Daniele at dbolelli. That's D-B-O-L-E-L-L-I. And you can find me on Twitter at Richimon1. R-I-C-H-I-M-O-N and the numeral one. We'll see you all soon. Woo! In questo caso, in questo caso, le provvidenze di Dio. Duncan showed you the way, eh? Oh man, isn't that scary to think? Nice. So don't kill people, do that instead. <laughs> this was great, fucking awesome. And I love this conversation. I have nothing against chicken other than the fact that they are ugly and weird and strange. We've been yeah, having a great hour nice. here. Dun, dun, dun. I completely got lost. Are we doing the outro or the intro? We're outro. Oh, we're outro. Okay, sorry. So that's. <laughs> So let's continue. Did you ever see the movie Tombstone with uh, Val Kilmer and... Uh, uh, your accent, it just... Whatever that movie is you were trying to tell me about... Can you translate for me, please? I believe the word was Tombstone. Yeah, that one, exactly. <laughs> just as I was saying, you know, Tombstone. <laughs> now, most everybody thought... <coughs> Sorry. We'll, <coughs> we'll do a cut on there. Or not. That was something else. <laughs> That's maybe too powerful. <laughs> What do I have to do? One day the rod shall teach you. Get back to work. Funky. Podcasting. It's like radio, but you can cuss. Wow!